Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. The Separatist movement, under the leader of the mysterious Count Dooku, has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic, all in caps, to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Hey all you gals and guys, Grayson Parker Marcotte of the Sleeping Giant Podcast here with another special edition episode. This time we're talking Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. I'll be joined by my good friend, Mr. Jude Gay of Blah Wars. We'll be talking those sweet color palettes, amazing engineering of sound, and of course, Anakin Skywalker's Fall from Grace. Y'all go on, get comfy. We're about to begin. Jude, are you there, sir? I am indeed. How are you, my friend? All good? I, I am very well. Thank you. I'm th- thrilled, actually, and, and just very pleased that we can sit down and, and do this. Because um, yeah. I know sometimes it's tough to to get schedules to sync up, especially when there's a huge pond between us, the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, always a pleasure, you- though. We've done this a few times now, though, right? Yeah, yep, we have, and I think that this one is probably going to be one of the best ones uh, because we. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, we'll fix it in post. Um, anything goes wrong, we'll fix it in post. So Jude and I are going to be talking about, as you probably already know, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. That was the uh, 2002 follow-up to Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, uh, putting us two chapters deep into the prequel trilogy. So the film starts with uh, Padme and her ship. The uh, It's the silver... Uh, Naboo Star Cruiser. I, I cannot remember the class of ship, but it is the it's it's followed or it's being tailed by two Naboo starfighters, the yellow starfighters, either side, and they're they're heading towards Coruscant. Yes, the Nubian yacht is is what that there ship is. Go. By the way, yeah. I I just had to remember uh, Watto. <laughs> and uh, his discussion of the the parts. So, uh, of course, yeah. Uh, she is she's yeah, on yeah, her way yeah. to uh, to communicate, I believe, with who is at this point Chancellor Palpatine. They're discussing the creation of a a well an army at this point mm. um, is mm. all that that we're aware of. And let me say real quick before we really get started, or rather, let me ask: Did when you first watched this, did you have any trouble? following the story at all or, or was it all pretty clear to you when you when you were think, viewing this i think uh how old was i when this came out so i was oh, i was about 18 when this mm-hmm. came out and um, so <clears throat> i think after fo- trying to follow the uh the events of episode one and all the politics in that and the trade disputes this was always going to be a walk in the park <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. I think we're so we're so deep into at this point in the prequel trilogy, um, the understanding the nuances and the politics and and the worlds and, and Coruscant being one of them. That once you get that set up, once you get those themes, it's 
well, I, I felt it pretty. It was pretty easy to to follow. Okay, and I'll say that the first dozen times or so that I watched this movie, I had a very hard time doing that. And it wasn't until I watched it again for the purposes of our discussion, where yeah. and I was actively taking notes, right, paying attention. Said, oh, oh my God, this this actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was a lot more straightforward. Um, so I was awesome. definitely curious about that. And then, of course, having the the supplemental material from the Clone Wars. The, the show, which I'm right. very fond of, yeah, um, really kind of filled in the gaps. So, so what we have is a situation where we have several thousand solar systems that are that are either leaving or threatening to leave uh, the Republic, and yeah. obviously that is not a uh, that's not a good thing that we that we want to have happen because clearly. Yeah they're not going to be able to defend themselves if, if enough people leave. And if the separatist movement uh, turns into um, a full scale civil war, then, then obviously that's not good for anybody. So before, before Amidala can even make it to the meeting proper, uh, she is Mm. ambushed in an explosion and her decoy is killed. Corday, I think it was. Corday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I, it's the Australian actress, and I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry, but she was in Bad Neighbours, um, and I know that because I watched it the other day. And I was, I was like, "Who is this? Who is this woman? I recognise her face." And then I, I think I woke up in the in a in the middle of the night, and I went Corday, and uh, <laughs> my partner went, "You what?" I went, "Oh, nothing, nothing." Um, that yeah. was it. Yeah, Corday. Yeah, I think I, I, I know vaguely what you're talking about mm. um and i don't remember her name either but uh there you know a lot of her decoys and handmaidens were fairly prominent yeah. uh and other features like uh, in the phantom menace it was it kira knightley? kira knightley that's right yeah i think she was and that was man i saw her way before i even knew yeah of her or or who she was or who she would end up being yeah well, this my first disappointment. Now, I am very positive about the prequels. I love them. I am. I'm, I'm, I, I do actively <laughs> tell people that I love right. them. Um, but I, I remember being particularly disappointed at this scene that um, Captain Panaka wasn't uh, there, and he'd been replaced by this guy called Captain Typho. Typho. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it was. It, it, I don't know why. It just seemed to. What's me. the story on that? Why wasn't Panaka present? I, well, is, I, is there an I official assume, reason for well, that? I assume he's he's um, still the head bodyguard for the the queen. Ah, uh, the right, new queen that would make sense. Um, the new queen. I cannot remember the name off the top of my head. I'm sure I can. It will come. Ah, but yeah, that was my assumption. Um, but I had to kind of work that one out for myself. Uh, still slightly annoyed that Panaka wasn't there because I, I, I grew quite fond of him in uh, Phantom Menace. He was pretty cool. And yeah. I, I watched that recently, or somewhat recently, I think. Uh, and I was, again, impressed with some of the characters um, that were present in, in the prequels. But, but moving on, that's that's the stage that we have set for Attack of the Clones. Somebody is trying to take out Amidala because she is vocal, or rather, she vocally opposes the uh, the creation of an army for the Republic. Yeah. So, without Amidala in place, 
the powers that be, as it were, may have an easier time mm. getting that legislation passed so that the army will be created in the event of a civil war. Yeah. So so that's that's the situation. The Jedi are trying to figure out who's behind these attacks. And, and it just seems like the Jedi are just trying to figure out what's going on in general <laughs> for the most part. They, um, they, they are sort of... <clears throat> I don't think they they're fully utilized to their their best ability by this point in in the in the the, the trilogy. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. I think you're absolutely right. They're just trying to work out what the hell's going on uh, across the galaxy. So uh, during this meeting, after the attempt on her life, I think that um, it's Palpatine who suggests that she be placed under the protection of the Jedi, and I don't think she's too keen on that mm. right off the bat. Uh, she's, you know, she's independent. She's got her people, and uh, th- you know, they're they're capable of looking after her, and she's capable of looking after herself. So I'm assuming that that's all part of Palpatine's machination to you, to separate and sow discourse. Or, excuse you, me, discord. Do you, what you you saying? He he knows the whole Anakin Padme thing. I mean, or was that just? Well, I was trying to figure that out because, I mean, why he would have to have a reason for suggesting that, right? I mean, he wouldn't, I don't think, arbitrarily suggest that that she go under the protection of the Jedi because yeah. that doesn't seem like something he would do. Yeah. Um, so I, there are times, as much as the film made a lot more sense to me this go around, there are yeah. times where I feel like you have to read between the lines and sometimes you have to take a really large magnifying glass to to fill in some of those gaps for yourself because i mean i'm just going based on on what we know of the story so Mm. i could be totally wrong but it's a guess so it's at this point i believe that we actually are properly introduced to obi-wan and anakin well we've i guess we're already familiar with obi-wan but in this particular instance uh it's been 10 years since the phantom menace so Mm. we have a new actor for anakin yeah, uh, Mr. Hayden Christensen, I think. What did you What did you think of him? Well, I remember scouring the internet for any sort of, and back then, I mean, there was there was nothing, very little going on in terms of what you could find out on, online. Um, but there were there were rumours, and I, there was um, the Force.net, I think, had just started. Back oh then, yeah, and um, there, there was uh, there was some little gold. Uh, sort of golden nuggets uh, floating around there, and I remember the rumor that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to uh, potentially take the role <clears throat> of Anakin, and that got me very excited. And you know, it made sense because he looked, I guess, a little like Jake Lloyd. Um, sure, and he was obviously a brilliant actor. He is a brilliant actor, and <clears throat> I mean, it, it ties back into my love for the Titanic film. Um, I was absolutely obsessed with that when that came back in ninety out in ninety seven. So that was, I was a big deal. I was really, really sort of excited that hey, we may get um, we may get Leo for this. And then um, Star Wars magazine. So there's a there's a shop in the UK called W H Smiths, and that is where you get all your magazines in the UK. And uh, Star Wars magazine uh, announced it on the front cover that it was Hayden Christensen. I was like, oh, who's who's this guy? In his brown right. brown leather and his lightsaber um, flexing going on, um, but you know, I I, I saw a, an image that someone had photoshopped of um, 
and you know Jake Lloyd sort of morphing or transforming into this older uh, Hayden Christensen dude, and that that was enough to convince my young mind, and I bridged the gap, and I was fully on board and expecting good things from this guy. He, I mean, he, have you seen him in anything else? I saw him uh, in uh, a film called Jumper. Mm-hmm. Which, with Sam Jackson. Yeah, which I thought was really quite good, and I was really looking for, forward to the sequel. Um, it, it bombed in the UK, um, mainly because... I don't think it did very well here either. Oh, really? We, we were told that it, no. it didn't do very well because um, that's what we call a, a sweater um, in the UK. We call sweaters jumpers. So there was apparently some oh, semantic right. confusion around what the film was about. But I thought he was quite good in that. I thought he... Uh, it, you know, maybe it came down to the direction he had and the you know lack of experience he had when it came to Attack of the Clones. But um, yeah, I think he got a lot of flack for that film that carried over. But boy, did he make up for it in Revenge of the Sith. But that's another podcast. Indeed, it it, and it shall be. It shall be. Yeah. Uh, so we've got we've got our Anakin now, mm. and Obi Wan's looking a little bit more different, a little bit more Christ like, you might say. Well, yes, uh, I, I've got to say it's, it's it's my least favorite hairdo of the Obi Wan yeah. um, hairdos uh, across the spectrum of Star Wars. That's for sure. At this point, Amidala she reluctantly accepts the aid from the Jedi. Yeah, and. And right off the bat, Anakin is is very he's very pleased. <laughs> yes. Now, now yes. let me ask you: Is do you think it's because that's essentially the only girl he's ever seen? Um, I mean, or uh, now this is, is there this, something more to it? I think. I mean, I've got to admit, and uh, this is you know, I'm I'm trying my best not to. I love you know, I love the prequels, but my adult brain. Sure. And my storytelling brain is telling me that this feels a little bit um, rushed um, right. in terms of uh, any sort of love story. Um, and it's a huge jump to go from um, a child um, to suddenly a, a, I don't know, is it, what, what, what are we saying? How old is he here? I think he's about 20. 20. If, because I think if he just turned... Eight or nine, or nine, let's say, at uh, the end of the Phantom Menace, and it's been ten years. I guess he would be nineteen or twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a there's a hell of a lot of hormones uh, knocking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, he's if if you take into consideration, and I'm not one hundred percent on the the publication schedule, but I know I've got a series um, that came out a couple years ago after canon was reset obi-wan and anakin and uh, so it's not like he never got out mm. you know and it's not like he never had interactions with other people but again you know this film was made you know a good deal before everything got reset obviously and and yeah. uh and and legends material had been published so i mean but for from my point of view i i think it's pretty reasonable to expect that he would be extremely excited to to be in this situation and she's familiar too um she, he met her on tattooing yeah of course had, i mean it's his uh, i guess his fondness of her probably extends to his uh, release of being a slave and um you know there's a, there's a huge emotion tied up in that so i guess there's i, I guess there's a um you know there's a childhood uh 
memory there that his his words protect. And I think he's probably not only that. I mean, let's face it, she's pretty beautiful in this film. And uh, right, maybe it's just love at first sight. I mean, it's the first time we've seen her in what ten years. Yeah. So maybe it is yeah. just love at first sight. You know, we can't knock that. But before that, no. I just wanted to pick up on the the Jar Jar bit. So it's mm-hmm. the first time we see Jar Jar again, and obviously Very he's true. um his his role in this film is it, it's it's sizably smaller uh, than um, episode <laughs> one. Um, but I, I I remember. I remember, I'm just trying to t- cast my mind back to the first time seeing seeing this in the cinema, and I remember kind of just smiling and and thinking, okay, fam- familiar characters, um, regardless right. of what you think of Jar Jar, um, I I agree to kind of be quite fond of him. So it was nice to see him, and it was just like, okay, bringing all the main players back into into place. Um, I I quite like that. I, I and I, I think that that was fine. I think that that was a good move. Uh, he wasn't completely missing yeah. from from the film, uh, you know. But like you said, bringing bringing back that familiarity, but dialing it down a little bit. Yeah. So he's there to actually yeah. serve a purpose apart from comic relief. Yeah, because I think that was his primary function in episode yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I even at this point, and I remember, I remember thinking, man, I. I really miss because I think Obi Wan says something like, mm, "Good to see you too, Jar Jar." And I just remember thinking, "Oh, I, I really miss Qui Gon." Um, oh yeah, I, that, the gravity, the, the gravitas, and the calm that that guy um, brought to any situation. And now we've got this, uh, we've got this really quite hormonal adolescent kid knocking about. Um, it was trying to get used to, I guess, a new duo, a new dynamic. With, you know, because before you had Obi Wan and Qui Gon, and the chemistry worked, and suddenly you've got mm-hmm. a, a new set, and you and you already knew that you know that Anakin and Obi Wan were going to be a team, but um, it I, I really felt a real sense of of, of missing Qui Gon at this point, and I guess trying to start again with a new duo, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense at all. And I remember oh, I remember feeling that quite strongly. When I first watched, well, they they were uh, Qui Gon was was a strong character, Mm. regardless of whether or not he was developed fully or or utilized to his maximum potential in Episode One. Yeah, it's Liam Neeson, so he's going to make an impression, um, regardless. Um, But I I do agree, you are kind of it's you know it's a sequel, uh, and then instead of kind of a natural progression of the previous dynamic, you mm. have a brand new dynamic um, with a completely different character. Yeah. Because uh, at this point, Anakin is a completely different character. And that really starts to show itself um, once the two of them are stationed, as it were. Rather, Amidala is uh, in their protective custody. Yeah. And um, so we, we see that the, the explosion that took place in the beginning uh, was not the the first and only attempt on her life. Mm. Um, I think at this point she's uh, she's sleeping. It's nighttime. Yeah. Anakin and Obi Wan are uh, are having a little heart to heart. Yeah, which you know in this and in, and in this particular instance too, I think Obi Wan is just kind of like, all right. So here's the thing. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's that it's, you it's need, the yeah. talk. You know, do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I, I get it. 
uh, you're, you're feeling some type of way, but <laughs> you're a Jedi. Yeah. And uh, but before we can can really, uh, I guess, meet the end of this, there's an, another attempt made on Amidala's life with uh, uh, what was the Claudite assassin Zam Wessel? Zam Wessel, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah she's given a uh, she's given a canister by a mysterious character at this point. Yes, yes. Uh, could you see the the Mando armor? At this point, was was he? Because uh, I don't think he was like in the shadows or anything like that. I think it was just a hand, and then you wow. and then he, you see her turn, and then you see him. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not at that point. I think it's just a hand, and I've only I've watched this the other day, okay. and I can't remember. It is just a hand that you see give this this uh, like canister of what are they sort of poisonous millipedes? Yeah, some um, some sort of disgusting arthropod yeah uh, <laughs> i did i could not stand that that was those things really creeps uh, they, they unnerve me yeah i don't care for centipedes um that's just like i mean i deal you know in my my day job i deal with all sorts of pests and mm. and rodents insects arachnids but dude centipedes forget about i it. can't do it no, you, you can you can deal with them in the uk they're tiny seriously we've got no creepy yeah, well, around here well, I can't even deal with small centipedes, honestly, and I'll tell you very quickly why. I found one in my room. Uh, this was some years ago, but I found one in my room. It's probably about five inches long. Whoa. Whoa. And wow. uh, so I was like, okay, that's not going to work for me. No. So I tried I tried to kill it. I, and I try not to kill things um, haphazardly. You know, I try to pick yeah. things up and put them outside. If, five if they're inches. Not going to, that's massive. You know, yeah, it was probably about five inches. Well, it was it's small compared to some of the other ones I've seen. Wow. So, um, but this was actually in Georgia before I moved to Florida. Okay. So we haven't okay. even made it to the subtropics yet. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I saw this thing and I tried to kill it and you could not smash it. It was almost indestructible. So I was like, okay, this is gross. So I tried to cut it in half. Yeah. And it screamed at me, Jim. No. I, it screamed at me, and I almost lost it. No, no, I don't want to know. It's a, well, I'm not going to sleep tonight, mate. Thanks for that. That's nightmares. Uh, you are very I, 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 I just, I've got this nightmare of these ginormous butterflies and that scream, and you can see their mouth, and they ver- they, they scream. I don't know what that says about my my psychology, but that's um. I don't that's know. Weird, isn't it? Maybe you don't like transformation and change. No, well, there you go. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm Don Draper stuck in the sixties. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So um, deadly arthropods uh, are, are creeping into Amidala's well, room. She, 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 well, she 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 pops it in like a, a sort of a a droid. A, a, yeah, a rugby ball shaped probe droid. Um, yes. And it sort of saunters through Coruscant traffic yeah. and cuts a hole in the window. They yeah. slither in. Miss the, uh, miss the uh, what is it, a sort of a, a alarm laser beam by centimeters. Yes, um, I think that it was like a green. That's right. You know what, I don't know. It might have been. R2-D2 shooting this stuff out, isn't he? No, he's not. He's sleeping in the corner. Possibly. Yeah, he's, he hears a thud. He sees them. Yeah, and he wakes and up. And he starts like, rocking. Yeah. Um, doing his famous R two squeal. But then it cuts back to it cuts back to Obi Wan and uh, Anakin 
who are having a chat. And they're having the talk. And it's, well, no, no, no. He, he, as I recall, he's saying, um, you look a bit, you look a bit knackered. You look a bit tired. And, um, he's like, yeah, I don't sleep well anymore. And he's uh, like, yeah. oh, it was because of your mother. And that's the sort of the first sort of right. inkling, the, the first little hint that right. the, he's, he's got, um, sort of, uh, issues or, 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 right. or problems because of being separated from his mother. And that will continue to unfold yes. throughout the film. But then he Excellent. then he then he says something again, like "I'd rather dream about Padme" or something. Ah, uh, oh, that's it. Yeah, yes, I'd rather dream does. about Padme just being just being around her again. It's it's intoxicating. intoxicating. Oh, that's Ooh. yeah. I mean, there's no there's no getting around that. That's pretty. Um, yeah, he's he's got it bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so uh, after they rescue um, Amidala, Obi Wan and Anakin meet with the Council, and it's uh, they, I guess, at this point are, are convinced that she needs to be protected, and uh, and I think again, Palpatine is sort of pushing things, and uh, is it Palpatine that suggests that that Anakin? go with Amidala? I think it is. Because he says something yeah. like, he's like, she should be with somebody that she knows or some, something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but the, the most interesting part of that scene to me is where everyone else leaves and Palpatine is kind of uh, stroking Anakin's ego, yeah. you know, yeah. um, giving him the old, yeah, they just don't understand you, do you? Do they, my boy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that someday you'll be, you know, more powerful than than your peers, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, so on yeah. and so forth. So one thing that happens here that's really important is that Padme makes Jar Jar her proxy in the Senate, um, yeah. and that's going to play a, a major role later in the film, of course. Yeah, one of the things that we really need to discuss because I think that it's uh, pivotal and we kind of glossed over it a little bit, um, actually a lot. After that attempt is made on her life, this is where that dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin really starts to develop. Yeah. Um, Because obviously the meeting with the Jedi takes place after the pursuit of the would-be assassin. So I've heard you talk about this scene before. So if you don't mind, you want to kind of walk us through it and, and tell us, you know, just kind of what your thoughts on, on the traffic pursuit of Zam Wessel are all about. So you're talking about from when Obi-Wan recklessly smashes through the window right. and grabs hold of the, exactly. the probe trade. Which should have been Anakin, yeah. in my opinion. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to frame this under the words or word hypocrisy. Um, <laughs> right. He bangs on to Anakin about uh, Anakin about how reckless he is, um, but in that mm-hmm. moment, um, the guy just launches himself out of a window, which I assume is the top floor of a very, 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 very tall building. Grabs hold hold of a yeah. probe droid, and then he's just uh, you know meandering around uh, Coruscant, uh, flying towards various speeders. Uh, shooting towards these <laughs> to, to where no one knows right pr- precisely um i think the assumption is that the droid will lead them back to sam wessel uh, yeah whoever sent it mm-hmm. who incidentally she was my first uh hasbro toy 
Um, really? The three and yeah, three quarter inch for, figure? for this film. Um, yes. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's doing that. And then Anakin uh, runs out and he, he, he um, finds this yellow and green um, speeder, hotwires it, jumps in. And then um, he, he chases uh, Obi-Wan. And I remember this scene particularly well. Um, and I remember thinking the art direction was pretty odd on it. And I got a, even back then, I felt in what way it felt like a computer game. There's one there's one camera angle where where the the camera is behind the the speeder, and it almost feels mm-hmm. like a computer game. You know that sort of um, like a third person, yeah, yeah. Uh, racing game and that always that always um bothered me it it almost in a way sort of broke the fourth wall a little bit um it was just such Mm -hmm. a unnatural un-star wars like um camera angle to go down but there's there's things i love about that that um that sequence um i love the music um the there's uh, john williams introduces an electric guitar um yeah, there's there's these little cutaway shots unique. where the speeder whizzes towards, uh, I, I assume, a Coruscant taxi, and you've got a Sebulba-esque um, a Doug um, uh, sort of screaming, I guess, profanities yes. <laughs> back at uh, Anakin. I, I love those little cutaway shots, and that, <laughs> they're the things that make Star Wars Star Wars for me. Um, and then uh, Obi-Wan, of course, gets the uh, probe droid shot, out between his hands and he starts to free fall and then Anakin swoops down picks him up and uh, he says something along the lines of what took you so long and he goes oh you know I couldn't find the speeder I really liked you know one with the you know right colours or whatever he's saying (laughs) Um, yeah there's a a little bit of there's a little bit of banter there but it's not even that it's kind of like there's there's a little bit of disrespect I guess from Anakin towards Obi Wan, like he knows he's. It's almost like he knows he's good. He knows mm-hmm. he's really, really quite good. And um, right, you can see that. Go yeah, on. and that, that mm. that's a character trait that I really think is important with Anakin. And in, in some ways, I kind of feel like we should have yeah. begun with an older Anakin older than 20 but in other ways i kind of feel like seeing him at this moment is pretty cool because i think that is certainly who he would have been you know i think it's possible and and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself i think it's possible that and and i think i've even heard you discuss this before on plot wars that anakin should have been a little bit more mature and a little bit more seasoned by the time we got into the events of Revenge of the Sith, but I, I think you're right. I, I guess I've never really admitted until John on Blowholes sort of spoke about it. Um, it's something I knew, and it's, you know, you do the maths in your head. So you go, okay, well, a new hope is that. So if you go back, what well, Darth mm-hmm. Vader was, what, only, what, 28? When he became Darth Vader, Max? You're like, wow, that's, that's, you know, the guy's still young, he's still learning things, mm-hmm. and suddenly he's this sort of evil r- ruler. And by the time you get to New Hope, add another 20 years, you know, he's, he's, well, he's what, 40 odd, but he's, 
there's something Shakespearean about the way Vader speaks. There's something sophisticated. There's some sort of is clearly educated. Um, you know that the way Vader mm-hmm. was scripted um, was written very, very specifically. And it's too much of a the tonality is too much of a juxtaposition in terms of the the scripting when you go back to say Anakin here um, versus how he talks as Vader in 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 the original trilogy is too different almost. And John pointed that out to me, and it's very hard to get that out of your head when you rewatch these films, right? Because and it's true. And and that goes and so that taps into the older the older Anakin. So someone that maybe was a little bit more experienced or had life experience. And John always talks about this Anakin, this sort of Sebastian Shaw type um, Shakespearean actor who had this. Uh, you know, if you look at Alec Guinness, it would have been his his acting equivalent, I guess. Um, who had John talks about mm-hmm. this this guy maybe Anakin had these powers that he didn't really quite understand what they meant um, and he's, maybe he's in his late 30s early 40s who meets Obi-Wan um, and Obi-Wan helps him to um, craft and, and mentor these so you know that's kind of John's um, prequel sort of fantasy of what he wishes it was it's very hard when you get that fantasy yeah. in your head to then think about the prequels because it does feel very cartoonish. But that's you know right. that doesn't mean to say that I you know I'm very fond of these prequels. Um, I really enjoy them. Well, it's the headcanon. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. the the ruiner of all right. things. Yeah. Star Wars. Um, but <laughs> going back to the, this chase, then you know, you know. sorry, if um, you don't mind. It's oh, that no. it's that it's that's that point in the chase where he just. Says uh, Obi Wan says, "Well, well, you, well, you lost him because at that point they don't realize that he's a sheep." And he's like, "I'm very wooden." And I always remember this: "I'm deeply sorry, Master." Very, very yeah. wooden. And then um, <laughs> right. Obi Wan goes off on a rant. He's just saying, "If you excuse me," and he just jumps out. And you're thinking at this point, well, mm-hmm. that's just insane. But I think that scene was probably needed because it needed to show the confidence of Anakin. It needed to show that he's, his ability in the Force um, to right. be able to read the speed of that, that, that particular speeder and time it perfectly uh, to, to then just land on top of her green sort of H-shaped, capital H-shaped speeder. Um, and then you get that right. sort of glimpse that she's a changeling um, through the windscreen because she looks up frustrated as his lightsaber plunges through the the top of the the canopy of the speeder. And yeah, well, she handled that a lot better than yeah, I. Yeah, well, I would have been freaking out. I would have had an <laughs> instant crash. Um, yeah, and then he loses his lightsaber and it falls behind him. Right, Kenobi catches it, pops it down in the I presume what is a lightsaber glove compartment or a lightsaber compartment and um yeah then they they speed towards the um the the coruscant nightlife and and crash right into into a wall and then so the foot chase begins sorry i, I just I, well, I just wanted to say it looked really good like when they get to this point i kind of felt like it was like blade runner on right. steroids yeah 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 yeah, that is um, a very, very good show. I think that uh, there, there are. I think that some of the CGI, some of the the green screen 
um, it gets a lot of flack and, and in some instances deservedly so, but going back and really watching this movie for the purposes of having a discussion, I, I will go on record now and say that the times that I've watched it somewhat flippantly, um, especially doing like the machete order and and Mm -hmm. all of that, I wasn't, you know, it was seen through the lens of, of, uh, prejudice, you know, I was like, oh, this movie's crap. <laughs> crap, crap, crap. You were just, that was, that was your <laughs> but, take you know, on it and that was it. Right. Um, but watching it again and again, keeping notes and, and paying close attention to follow the plot, especially since admittedly I had a tough time yeah. doing it. It really improved the film mm. for me. Um, so it's just speaking of, of the, you know, the set design, the colors used uh, were all very impressive to me. And I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel that it was too much at all. No, no. I, I think going back, it's very of the time, absolutely of the time. Um, there's a lot of colour used in that. And, I mean, you can contrast that with, say, The Last Jedi. And actually, mm-hmm. as a design piece, if you're looking at um, The Last Jedi as a design piece, they have a colour theme, and that colour theme is red. So if you were right. to, um, I don't know, Give give colors a percentile. Well, red is red is let's say the eighty percent color theme running throughout, and then everything else dances around that. And there's some white and there's some black, but it it it, it tone the tonality of of the um, Last Jedi is very very um, coherent. There's a consistency running from start to mm-hmm. to end. As you look at the Attack of the Clones, you've got every single color. Going. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting point. There's a website um, where you can see um, start to finish uh, and you can see a, a spectrum, a colour spectrum mm-hmm. from every single scene in, in the films. And oh, you can, wow. I'm actually a fool for that. I love right, that. So you can, yeah, so you can see the holistic colour palette of a film. Um, Attack of the Clones is insane <laughs> it's uh it's yeah um, i'm the, sure you know, the amount of different colors and shade and tone and light and dark and um but there's a real consistency with the last jedi i'll, I'll ping it out to you it's, it's worth having a look at um, if you're into that sort of thing yeah it's really really cool sure i mean like um in this the things that jump out at me the most are the teals yeah the pinks Purples, and purples for sure um sam jackson's lightsaber yeah it's it's I, I i love that stuff though i love i love color and and cinema and and really trying to pick out those palettes and and seeing how they did things just mm. from the point of view of design but also uh thematically yeah which yeah. uh the, yeah i'm i'm kind of geeky about that but the uh the cantina scene is i think maybe one of the first times that we are given a glimpse of how these films are supposed to sort of sync up, uh, as George would say, like poetry, because as they're searching for Zam Wessel in the cantina, she attempts to sort of reverse that and get the drop Mm. on them. Her arm is severed at the elbow by Obi-Wan. You know, we we have that scene, and I guess that mirrors the scene in A New Hope, but then it's not necessarily that sort of cyclical poetry because this is episode yeah. two and that's episode four. So it's more of like a, a callback. Yeah. Well, you, you do, you, you do think about it, but I love those moments because I, then you watch a new hope and you kind of see Obi-Wan 
called Ben. Ben Kenobi do it, and you wonder whether he's thinking, <laughs> right. "Oh, this is familiar." You you flash back, right? Or I do this. This is too yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> On a, throw the arm in the pile of the other arms. Um, yeah, I got to say, but but prior to it, maybe in the in the scene, and I was when I rewatched this, one thing that really stood out, I think, from my perspective as a as an adult and as a dad. And it's someone that um, is a manager as well, and a, a, a kind of mentor. Obi Wan's not great at um, mentoring. He's uh, <laughs> he, 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 he no, he's not. He comes across as very frustrated and agitated and irritated, and he's uh, constantly shouting at Anakin. And he's I am not. You know, he's just like having a go at him the whole time, and it's just like. No, you need to. I feel like I feel sorry for Anakin, and I almost feel like he he stumbles right. down this um, this path, this dark path, because almost uh, he feels that Obi Wan maybe doesn't believe in him, or Obi Wan's right. maybe just too inexperienced. He's overly yeah, critical. Well, <laughs> of course, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but you, you see it in the scene there where he's like uh, banging on about. Why did you lose your lightsaber? Next time, try, next time, try not to lose it. The weapon is your right. life, and all this sort of stuff. And it's just kind of like um, there's a sarcasm, and a, it's, it's, it's quite patronising. I felt what you're watching it. Yeah, and so I can I can understand Anakin at this point. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I noticed that this go around as well, and my thought on it was. Was this intentional? Because it doesn't feel that way. Um, it doesn't feel like we're being led to believe that this particular dynamic between these two is what caused the mm. rift between Obi-Wan and Anakin. I, I really think that you are supposed to feel like Obi-Wan is a good teacher. Right. So when I'm watching this, I'm like, if we take this at face value, this is great. Right, yeah. But I don't feel like it was intentional. No. I guess it again. It's a, and it is a. It's that going back to the juxtaposition of the you know Alec Guinness and, and Ewan McGregor. Now, at this point, I've, I've got Alec Guinness very calm. You know, Luke flies off the handle, and you know he's he's you know, mm-hmm. hey, hey, calm down. You know, we'll, we'll we'll sort this out. Um, in in a new hope, uh, where he's just like, we don't have to take this. We, you know, he's like, no, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. But it, it, here, it's kind yeah. of like, well, hang on, and that maybe that's just Obi Wan um, learning to chill out a little more, take a step back, and, and see the bigger picture, right. and learn from his mistakes. Maybe well, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially if, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds with this, but when we see, um, when we see him again in Rebels. Yeah. Post, or, or rather, um, post yeah. Revenge of the Sith, pre A New Hope. I, I think that uh, that does make an incredible amount of sense. So Obi Wan is a, a unique character in that I really get the sense that he's got a lot more going on behind the scenes because once they're well, they're, they're they fail to wrangle any information from Zam mm-hmm. Wessel even after she's apprehended because she in turn is assassinated yeah, by Jango Fett. Yep, and Obi-Wan picks it up, and, uh, you know, so this, at this point, they're like, okay, this this is yeah. getting out of hand, Coruscant's not the place that Amidala yeah. needs to be, uh, the Jedi suggest, or rather, um, Palpatine suggests that 
Amidala go into hiding with someone she trusts, which yeah. we spoke about um, before I blundered and, and got ahead of myself. But the reason I say this about Obi-Wan is because he takes the dart and he's got this friend, Dexter Yay. Jetster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who runs like this 50s-esque diner. And, uh, and it's just like, who the hell is this guy? And like, why can Obi-Wan just sort of saunter in here and be like, I need you to tell me what this is. And he doesn't even skip a beat. He's like, oh, this. It, doesn't, he, doesn't Obi-Wan <laughs> you know? try, try and get it and... Uh, analyzed at the um jedi temple beforehand yeah. and it yep. just comes up and he says no. that there are notches in the design of the shape of the dart that give away um it's uh it's manufacturer right. yeah. or its point of origin uh and not the markings or the symbols because apparently um that's what obi-wan yeah, was going yeah, off yeah. of or the the temple was trying to analyze symbols where it was the actual make or shape um, they gave it away as Camino uh, Owen, which I probably will never be able to say again. <laughs> um, and Dexter knows these guys. He's like, they're cloners. They live on past the Outer Rim, uh, past the, uh, oh, what was it? Um, gosh, what so, was it uh, called? And this was another the Rishi, the very Rishi Star Maze. Wars thing. Yes, the Rishi Maze, which I unofficially call lucas lore because it's just like one of those random sort of things that yeah. you throw in you know for yeah. world building you know i did that stuff all the time yeah, as a yeah, dungeon yeah. master um and did we ever touch on that sometimes because people would call me on it and be like oh let's see how much have you been drinking <laughs> <laughs> can, can yeah. you connect the dots yeah. but there's, um, a, there's a lot of that usually the i could I think mate there's a, a hell of a lot of that Sort of sprinkling, sprinkling oh, yeah. of Rishi maze uh, here, there, and everywhere. But uh, I thought it was cool. I, I liked it, but I definitely want to know. Like again, where, where where is this taking place? Like, you know, who is this guy to Obi Wan, and how long have they known each other? It's an odd relationship because you know the way Obi Wan bangs on about Anakin's relationship to Padme. I mean, at that point. It, it, mm-hmm. it, the, Anakin could just be the intention could be hey they just want to be friends but you know here's Obi-Wan living it up to the max he's clearly got a pass with this Dexter Jester guy um, you know even mm-hmm. the way he, he talks to him it's um, I remember him say he doesn't call him Dexter he calls him Dex you know that's right which kind of imparts right. a familiarity yeah and so they've got clear history um, which suggests that Obi-Wan's got um, friends elsewhere and it, it genuinely feels like right. a friendship, like they've maybe had, they've, they've drunk together or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's not just a professional liaison. Right. So this is where the, the film becomes, uh, we focus on two sets of characters at this point. It, the film pretty much switches up between Obi-Wan and Anakin yeah. and Padme. So the the narrative is such that now that Obi-Wan knows that this dart comes from Kamino, he's going to investigate. Anakin and Padme mm-hmm. go to Naboo to to stay in hiding, which I don't think they're doing a very good job of that, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. <laughs> you know, like if you're in hiding, you know, I'm thinking like in you're, a bunker. You know, you're in like a, a cramp. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, order and take out yeah. and that whole thing. They're frolicking um, around fields, but like it's, riding yeah. rhinos. Or- well, if there is a place to do it, I guess it would be yeah. Naboo. And uh, a lot of that that we see was filmed in Italy, I think. I think uh, Lake Como yep. was the... And you've, you've been there, is that right? Have you visited yes, there? Yes, I did. I, um, I flew out to Milan for a design conference and uh, Lake Como is about an hour's train journey outside of Milan and I, I went all that way and I, f- and I figured, you hey, to. I need to jump on a train and get down there ASAP. So I did. It does feel like you're walking around Theed, um, the, the, the capital city mm-hmm. of the Boo. And there's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a moment in the lake and you, you get to, there's, there's a scene uh, further on in Attack of the Clones where there's these red roses and um, mm-hmm. Anakin strokes the back of Padme's back, which is um, slightly hashtag me too these days. Um, <laughs> right. Um, wow! Yes. Oh my God! You you go there, and that is that's the famous that's the famous mm-hmm. viewing port in Lake Como, and uh, I stood oh, wow. there and was like, "Wow, this is um, they film Star Wars here." So it was it was it was, it was amazing to be on oh, a that's so cool Italian Star Wars location for sure. Yeah, you, you know it's funny you say that about Anakin because I I have that written in my notes. <laughs> several times yeah he be creeping he's creeping. <laughs> like, it, 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 it doesn't seem old enough to, to, I mean, to grow a creeper's tash um but he's uh he's, no. certainly, he's certainly on the way that's what that look was though that was like the wolf yeah. in the animation yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> like mm. stalking mm. the sheep and what have you that was um no. predatory slightly not necessarily uh not not the um the love struck euphoria no. that, was, that was predatory I'm just in stroke you nature. back and see how you um, react <laughs> slightly <laughs> yeah so we have we have two things going on right now anakin and padme are developing their relationship which we've established is mm-hmm. somewhat quick um but if you're going to do it they are in prime locale which kind of need to move through this a little mm. bit quickly but suffice to say that yeah. is what happens and um at one point though i think it's important to mention that anakin does he kind of lets loose some of his more fascist Ooh, leanings uh, i think strong words yeah, well i mean that's pretty evident where he's essentially like yeah there should be a government in place that tells right. you what to do and when to do it um and yeah, I was just like no. a, dicta- a dictatorship. <laughs> no, yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's, yeah, okay. Yeah, and so fascist maybe maybe a bit of a strong word. Usually the two coincide, or they tend well, to. I think I think it's I a fair say. point. I mean, look, look, let's face it: the the Empire in Star Wars is they are Nazis. They're Nazis. Their uniform, everything is. They are the Nazis. Right. And have you ever seen an extraterrestrial imperial officer apart from Thrawn? He was a, he was a it special is the, case. Uh, Aryan race for in space, isn't it, really? Yeah, there there are no aliens, quote unquote. I mean, technically, they're all aliens, but there are no alien they're the, they're the imperial bad guys, officers that sure. I'm aware of. Um, so that's an interesting, yes. that's interesting. Yes, they are. I've never really thought about it like that before. But yeah, he's... Um, so yeah. he's got those tendencies. He definitely does. And and that probably, I guess you could say that he has a dark streak. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I mean, I don't know how far we can get deep into this, but the whole, you know, leaving your mum thing and... Yeah, that's true. Freudian, I don't know, that's nonsense, but there's... (laughs) We won't go down there, but there's there's, there's certainly something... You could you could riff off that if you wanted to, and it, yeah, I mean, sure. talking to Nazis, I want to dive deep into it. But as you bring, no, yeah, as you bring it up, though, I won't dive into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've got this taking place, but it does kind of it like it it simmers and then boils like in a flash, and then he's cool again because he's like, oh yeah, I'm in this beautiful place yeah. with this beautiful girl. Let's not go down that road. And <laughs> at least he seems to. Um, where on another part of the galaxy, you've got, um, and this is very important. I, I yeah. do want to spend some time on this um, because, again, watching this and understanding what was happening this time really did alter my perception okay. of the film. And that is in another part of the galaxy, Obi Wan has arrived on Kamino and he meets the Prime Minister. Is yeah, it Tanway? Right. That might have been the attendant. She expect she says that yeah. she's been expecting him, which he obviously is. Well, Tom, Tomway, Tomway is not the, the Prime Minister. So she's the she's the um, what, what, what's their species called? I can't remember. I guess Kaminoan. Um, Kaminoan. So she, she meets him and. It's it's all a bit weird because she's she's saying like everything's ready. The prime minister's been expecting you, and Obi Wan's like, oh, right, unexpected. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> so here's the part where I really just mm-hmm. couldn't hold it together, especially when I was in high school and I saw this movie. So she says it was the Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas yeah. who was the head of the council. He had put in an order yeah. for a clone army. Okay. So at this point, you, and and when I say at this point, I mean the film, you are not given any information really about Sifo-Dyas other than the fact that he was killed. No, no, because she, um, she says, she says Sifo-Dyas and Mm -hmm. he says, I'm, I'm sorry, master. And she says, Jedi master Sifo-Dyas. She says something along the lines of, um, He's still like a, he's still a master on the council or something. And then Obi-Wan just comes out with, right. Oh yeah. Yes. Sifo-Dyas. So it's clearly playing along there. Oh, as, a, okay. as a viewer, you're kind of like, okay, well there's, um, Obi-Wan's confused. I'm confused. I'm with Obi-Wan here. Okay. And kind yeah. Of and like, maybe that's where it on? is too, because yeah, so many yeah. years have passed and then it's been filled in sort of by yeah. the Clone Wars, the, the television show. So basically, that, as you said, that's that's all we know is that there's this guy, sifo Now, when I was a kid, um, and this will probably attest to how amazingly perceptive I was, I thought that that was, and, and, and to be fair, and to my own credit, I feel like that was a weak representation or like code name or alias for Sidious, because that's yeah, generally yeah. how creative George Lucas that's is. That's a fair point, yeah. So I I just assumed that that's what he was doing because I was like, mm, well, you know, it's George Lucas. Um, but then, you know, going back and watching this, I see how sifo was somebody else completely. Now, let me pause here and just say, um, I don't think the movie divulges any more information on sifo though, does it? Does no, it? no, it doesn't. It, it, it's all contained 
within um unless doesn't Obi maybe Obi-Wan goes to the librarian I can't remember maybe well I don't think that he sees her again because he goes from That's Camino right. yeah, no, to Geonosis I know, I know, no, um, this is what but, he does. Uh, he, uh, he sends a um, message in the rain mm-hmm. back to um, Mace right. and, and uh, Yoda saying, Jedi Master Cypher D. He's shouting it through the rain, I remember. Um, I'll right. have to look mm-hmm. that up, maybe. But um, yeah, carry on, carry on, carry on. I think I, I'm pretty sure that's all we get. We we get some confirmation, and it may be that. Uh, he, uh, okay, he I've, just, I've just looked it up. Sorry. So he, he shouts out. So he's on the voiceover on this. I've never heard of a Jedi Master called Cyphodeus. Have you, Master? And Mace Windu says, No. Whoever placed that order was not a Jedi, I can assure you. Um, and then Obi Wan says, I have a strong feeling this mm. is Bounty Hunter. Is that this Bounty Hunter is the assassin we're looking for? So yeah, there's clearly been a, a double cross plot. So he requests yeah. to meet the bounty hunter in question, and he does, and he asks him point blank if he was hired by Sifo-Dyas, and he yeah. says, "No, I've never heard of him. I was hired by That's somebody right. called Tyrannus." And uh, so then, again, if you're paying attention, <laughs> which I was this time, yeah, I was like, yeah. "Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this all makes sense now." But Sifo-Dyas, and this is getting away from from the movie, sifo did, in fact, commission a clone army. Right. Um, it wasn't until Tyrannus double-crossed, or Sidious and Tyrannus yeah. double-crossed sifo uh, and took over and then gave them Jango Fett. So that doesn't happen in the movie. So if you're listening to this and you're following along, that doesn't happen. But I guess in canon, that is yes. what took place. But you don't necessarily need that information, I guess, to understand that it's all the machination mm. of the Sith to to have this take place. So there's a clone army ready and waiting, conveniently at a time when the Republic is debating yeah. the creation of an yeah. army. So it all kind of starts to come full circle at this point. Um, or at least for me. I can't see everybody out there. Was like, Sidious dude, dude, we were on this. pulling the strings. <laughs> where like where were you? Believe at this point. He really is. But uh, that, again, I think might be another podcast. I could probably do yeah. a whole show, uh, a couple hours on, on Sheev Palpatine yeah. slash Darth Sidious and, uh, and the web that that dude was weaving. So that's basically like a very good chunk of this film is intercut between Padme mm. and Anakin with their awkward yet legitimate romance and Obi-Wan investigating the uh, the creation of the clone army. So essentially Mace and Yoda are just like, you know, stay there, find out more, I think. Uh, I think they want him to capture or bring in yeah, Jango and for questioning. This is where we, we, we meet Boba um, as well, of course. And and this scene in particular is very reminiscent to me of the docking uh, bay or the dock, I should say, yeah. of Empire Strikes Back because it's a very similar setup. It extends out into the ocean mm-hmm. and an empire, of course. It's, you know, the clouds and Slave One is there and yeah. is trying to yeah. catch it's them before they take off and and uh, doesn't quite work out. But this is very cool. And again, I was impressed by the showdown between uh, Django Fett and... That was great it was just awesome it turns, to watch. It into the... Um sort of a fisty cuffs uh, in the end. It's good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, 
one of my favourite scenes, and it's because we've all done it, is when Obi Wan he gets thrown down that sort of dome, lands back on the platform, and he uses the force mm-hmm. to um, open up the the sliding doors. And it's just like every single Star Wars fan in the history oh, yeah. of Star Wars time has gone up to a grocery store or a supermarket yes. and uh, <laughs> done the old automatic Only door. every yeah, day of my life, Jude. Yeah. <laughs> every day of my life. In fact, there's a meme out there floating around with, uh, yeah. with Baby Green yeah. from The Mandalorian. And it was like, so uh, you've got that. Yes. Uh, have you seen it? Where it's like me pretending oh, to I open have. doors at four. Me pretending to oh, open I have seen The Mandalorian. And that is basically, yeah, I mean, that's our lives. We are, we, I'll be doing that until the day I die. Um, oh, yeah, I, without a doubt. I don't care who's, every now and then somebody will be like, dude, did you just pretend yes! to use the force yes! open the door? And yeah, I'm like, yeah, pretend. exactly. You try them. And then you're holding the door so they can't open it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, forever and ever, man, always. Um, but yeah, great fight. And this leads up to, again, you can't... There are certain aspects of the prequels, but especially episode two, where mm. the sound design is Oh, I think are you, are you jumping ahead here. You're jumping um, ahead to the uh, Slave One. Well, it's... Uh, it's uh, okay. it's not terribly far ahead. I think he escapes Fair and uh, he he tosses a homing beacon onto Slave One, and then he's um he's pursuing him. Uh, the the stuff that I'm kind of skipping over at this point is that Padme and Anakin. You're talking about the, I, I think the 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 the, the one really said with the, the fire in the corner, and you know, he's like, I I he, that's the point. He admits it. Like I I I love you, right? And she's yeah. like, no, we can't. I'm a senator because oh, that is hang on, the hang best on, reason hang on. Ever That's the point where he's, he wakes up, she catches him in the morning, and is like, I've had a bad dream about my mum, I need to go. So at this right. point, they're in Tatooine, I guess, yeah. well, so Obi-Wan's do. Right, I was going to come back to that, because that part is important. Um, well, I guess we can go ahead and kind of, I mean, you, you've pretty much pretty much explained it they decide to throw caution to the wind completely she can't she can't get involved with him romantically but they can <laughs> leave naboo where they were specifically they instructed to stay um rebels those young <laughs> yeah, rebels because you know she's a senator crazy um but uh so you're right in fact he has dreams about his mother suffering um so they decide to to go Check her out on Tatooine while Obi Wan is pursuing, yeah, Django and Boba through uh, through an asteroid field on their way to Geonosis. And speaking of that sound design, when I was when I was in the when I was at the theater watching this movie, How that, good is that, that blew me away. How good is the that? seismic charges, dude? Yeah, Ben Ben Burt, I think, was the sound. He's he's worked. Oh, he's worked on Star Wars. Yeah. For quite some time, I believe. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever heard a more perfect Not sound so effect, except, um, <laughs> and only because it was yeah. similar. I'll have to have to come back to that one in a second because I'm not sure which one you're referencing. Um, but the seismic charge sort yeah. of sound or effect was in um, the right. two towers when the hobbits, That's Frodo, right. Sam, and Gollum are climbing yeah. up the path to Kirith Ungol. The light yeah. emits from Minas Morgul, and right at that last second, like right at the climax, there's that silence, and then 
that effect and i can't well, even describe I, it what, how clever, would you describe because that because it's 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 all about negative and it all comes down to that silence without the silence it's just another sound so what you're doing there is you're negating everything music the uh the sounds of the of the, of the ships that you know everything else that's going on and you pause it's a pausing mm-hmm. moment and it's significant it's it's um subtle but significant and it is to emphasize the crescendo of that sound it, it's just it's what it, my dad yeah. talks about this i mean my dad's not a, 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 a huge film buff at all he's not a, a star wars fan at all but he talks about mm-hmm. that particular moment in <laughs> when he's been at a cinema back in 2002 when this film came out and he, he still references it now, um, being blown away by a piece of sound, which is incredible when you think about it. What's that? Five mm-hmm. second max. Uh, five seconds max. And my, and my dad still references it as yeah, somewhere um, in one there. of the most epic moments of cinema that he's, he's ever been involved in. And they, I mean, they, they did it in the Holdo remover, that uh, remover, um, maneuver in uh, the Last Jedi, and it was it okay, was different. I thought that's I the mean, one you were talking about, but I wasn't, was certainly I wasn't sure. Different, um, but what they did there, and I think the difference there was the visuals. So you you, you understood the dynamics and the physics mm-hmm. of this bomb going off in Attack of the Clones, and you saw it. And then you saw the aftermath of it whipping through these uh, asteroids and all the debris and the dust and the you know you get that you you can wrap your mind and your head around a blast like that, but conceptually trying to wrap your head around a uh, holdo uh, maneuver where she's essentially gone into hyperspace and cut through uh, these this ship um, like a like a a, a knife through warm butter. Mm-hmm. The way they got around that visually is to cut very quickly at all these different angles whilst the silence and the sound um, was happening at the same time. It's very, very clever art direction, very clever um, execution on that scene. Um, but it, again, it, when I saw it, it reminded me of Attack of the Clones. Um, in- instantly, uh, when I was at the uh, at the cinema, oh, yeah. so it, it what it what it did it was maybe negate my attention from the Last Jedi story, and it took me back to Attack of the Clones. Um, <laughs> right there, you go. Well, it Poetry. it is Episode Eight, which is the second in a trilogy, and Ryan Johnson is pretty. At least he seems to be, um, you know, drinking that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I guess the only thing that came to my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, he seems to be on that wagon, on that train um, yeah. of of kind of making those throwbacks, which is appropriate. I feel if you're going yeah. to use that as a device, then it does need to match up um, sequentially. I think. Um, but yeah, that was just a brilliant, brilliant piece of cinema. And um, you know, when when I set out to do these and watch the prequels, uh, and Luke yeah, and yeah, I. Yeah. Um, Luke Summerfield, we talk about this all the time because he's always he's always teasing me. He's like, you know, you're gonna go back and you're gonna realize how awesome those are. And I'm like, well, yeah. let's not, you know, um, let's not jump ahead. But there are so many silver linings and so many things that. Well, I want to uh, just on this this is, this scene here. I want to take you back in time, and um, sorry to to go all English on your butt here, um, but 
uh, I was back in uh, back in my old school in a little town called Gravesend, um, where Pocahontas actually um, ended up. Little, little little fact. That's where I went to school, and I was sitting there in IT. And that morning, there was a TV program called um, back in back in the uh, early two thousands called uh, GMTV Good uh, Good Morning TV, and they showed the. Um, episode two trailer it, it sort of the, the crescendo was the the jedi's in a circle with all their lightsabers out and the droids just firing on them but there was one scene that captured my imagination that was slave one just firing what seemed like hundreds of blaster uh um blast, blaster oh, oh yeah blaster bullets no uh, bolts bolts uh at, at, at that time, I didn't think. know what, but I was sitting in IT at school. I was supposed to be learning this computer program, and you know, I was slowly downloading this video, which at the time took about half hour, um, but I watched it on repeat, and I remember it distinctively. Um, back in, must have been, what, 2001, that back then. Yeah, yeah, over that and over of, and over again bolts, in but, a small classroom yeah, that in was Gravesend. Now I, I have to ask you though, was it QuickTime? Oh man, it was Netscape. Um, oh okay. Uh, what was the plugin? The plugin back then was in on an RM computer. Um, I, honestly, mate, I don't know. That is going back in time. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's okay. Um, I I hey, I'm I'm gonna again. I'm gonna go on record and make a a slight confession and say that I when I was watching this last night, yeah. I was. I don't know if I was on the edge of my seat, but but my buttocks were slipping. <laughs> they were slipping yeah. ever so slightly yeah. towards the lip of the couch. There you go, Luke. <laughs> Is it Luke Summerfield? If you're listening, it's working, mate. <laughs> Keep your propaganda. So, yeah, up. I mean, you know, and you know, I, I don't even want to get in into all that because it's just I love Star Wars, and yeah. you know what? At the end of the day, I love it all. Okay, so what we have is kind of if if Obi Wan was in over his head at all on Camino, he's certainly I would say well and good out of place yeah. on Geonosis, which is where he tracks tracks uh, Slave One to, and I, also to kind of bring it back to the asteroids in Empire Strikes Back, he he kind of performs that Boba Fett maneuver. Yeah, after Slave One fires the the heat seekers. He ejects the spare parts canister, or R four ejects yeah. the spare parts canister, and then he uses that the subsequent explosion to cover a landing on an asteroid. Which I don't know, maybe that's not close enough to say that it's mirroring Empire, but I kind of felt like it was. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. There's definitely poetry there for sure. So Geonosis is where everything kind of comes to a head. But before yeah. we get to that, we need to back up to. Tatooine and the Lars homestead. Yeah. Anakin and Padme discover from Watto that Shmi has been sold. And wouldn't you know, the person that he sold her to freed her and married her. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, personally, I would have preferred to have just been freed and sent on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- explore, the, uh, explore the universe. <laughs> 
No, no. Yeah, but maybe they fell in love before she was freed, so the freeing was more ceremonial and yeah. and symbolic. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so he determines that, uh, Kleeg, that she's Kleeg been sold to a moisture, moisture farmer. Yes. So let me ask you this. Uh, when they get there, they meet uh, his son, yeah. Owen, and his girlfriend, Baru. Yeah. Uh, Joel Edgerton, by the way. I didn't yeah. realize that when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Kleeg has been he's been handicapped he had his leg amputated um so this is what i wanted to ask you mm. he says that shmi is no longer there which sucks obviously yeah. because she was taken by uh, a marauding party of tuscan raiders now did he lose his leg fighting the tuscan raiders yeah that yeah that's what I, I assume that's what happened um there was a whole bunch of dialogue i believe between yeah um, and and that's when it because it was still kind of unclear to me because you know i kind of got the idea that he was doing the best he could with one leg but then i got the idea it's like wait no he lost his leg while trying to find shmi yeah which makes him a hell of a lot more badass than i had thought right. you know like the 30 times before i had seen this movie i was like dude that's that's you need exactly to it. you need to get on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you need to do something a little bit, be a little bit more proactive. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you can't afford the prosthetic. It seems like everybody else <laughs> well, in Star but, Wars but can. That's, but that's what I love about um, Star Wars. And I said this before. You know, you you get to see the real spectrum of the rich versus the um, right the, the poor, and um, Tatooine is that. Tatooine is a, yeah. a poor planet, and and they people go there to hide, and there's no law and right. order there, and you know it's a real juxtaposition between, say, Coruscant and Tatooine. That is true. Um, that's, I guess if you're farming moisture in the desert, you're probably not super high. Yeah, you, you're uh, not going to hierarchy you can't of wealth. Get those Luke style flesh. Uh, prosthetics, right? Sure. Which was super advanced, apparently, because. Yeah. Jumping ahead a little, the prosthetic that uh, Anakin gets is pretty clunky yeah. by comparison. Yeah. But so this this is actually a really important part of the story. Um, Anakin leaves the homestead in a huff, which is I probably shouldn't say that or be that crass. It's it's a pretty tense situation. His mother is close, uh, so you know, so close yet so far away. Yeah. Um, and why don't you walk us through this whole scenario and, and what it means to you as far as the character and, and the film is concerned? The character of uh, Anakin. Or Anakin. Anakin. Yeah, so they they, they land at the, the homestead. And I think, you know, from a, a viewer's perspective, it, it does feel like a oh, we're, we're, we're home moment. But there was certainly that feeling. Um, and mm-hmm. the detailing of, of, of that, getting it right, was was wonderful, and then I, th- I think you were introduced to Free PO pretty early on as they're walking towards uh, the homestead, and he's in. Ah, uh, yes, I see that in my notes. He's in. He's in his rusty, uh, his sort of rusty uh, outer layer. Now he's got that exterior layer. Um, now, qu- quick sidestep here because it's worth mentioning. Um, John, uh, the guy I like, co. Mm-hmm. Present Blarwells with he's reading Anthony Daniels' book at the moment, and he said that um, that's not Anthony Daniels in that. That's a robot, because it was originally written 
that um, free really? at that point wouldn't have any um, uh, exterior coverings. He was going to be like he was in episode one. So um, they didn't build mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels a suit. They just had this robot. <laughs> um, so the whole thing's robotic, and it's just a voiceover, apparently. Whoops. Wouldn't turn to Daniels in that book, which I find fascinating. Um, yeah, so they, 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 they're walking along, and there's um, R2 uh, behind, who I, I guess at this point remembers everything, remembers 3PO. Um, and they're introduced to uh, mm-hmm. Owen and, and Baru and uh, Kleeg. And uh, he just asks outright, where's my mother? And then you, you, you hear that whole Sam People sort of story and the heroics. And then it kind of cuts to, does it cut to them talking in the, in the sort of garage area? Is this where, you know, you get the, the famous I hate Sam sort yes, of stuff? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, no, they, this, that's like, I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. Um, um I'm jumping ahead. That comes after, but Anakin, Anakin, Anakin's at this. Yeah, so when he's yes, talking to Kylo, he's, he's he saying reveals stuff his like, actions. Um, I can feel the pain. I know she's alive, and he's saying, "No, she's she's dead. Just accept it." So Anakin mm-hmm. then jumps on. I assume uh, Owen speed a bike, and I love this scene because then you've got the, um, if I remember correctly, you've got Jula Fates playing in the background and yes. you start to see more familiar yes. things like a sand crawler and him talking to Jawas and it's all silhouetted on this, this beautiful sort of sunset and on tattooing and they're pointing out the ways to go and um, it suddenly ends at this cliff and he, he jumps down the cliff and you, you get to see for the first time a, a Tuscan Raider camp. There he Which is. at the time was pretty new. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of like a, a, a treat. But this is, do you know what? And this is, look, I, I hate to bring it up. This is the thing that is really, I feel um, they've missed a trick here in the sequel trilogy is these locations are as much a character as, as the Han Solo's, the Lairs and the Luke's of the original mm-hmm. trilogy. You know, going home to Tatooine, to the homestead, it felt like a going home moment. It really did. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, this is part of why you know I love the prequels because they really sort of uh, um, focused on that. So you get right. to, you get to this you get to this Tuscan Raider camp and you you, you see not just um, the men sand people you see the the women sand people uh, the, the women Tuscan Raiders and they've got slightly different sort of outfits almost like more elongated masks that go down mm-hmm. um, their chests and, and you see uh, a couple of these sort of like, dog-like creatures fighting over a, know, a bone or something. And then he you know, puts his lightsaber through one of these, uh, I, I guess they made a banther skin or something, one of these tents. And there's his mum uh, tied up, clearly in distress and, 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 and beaten. And she's, she's on the way out. Um, almost like she's like holding on, uh, just yeah. just to see him again. Yeah, and you know she's she can't believe that he's there, and he's like, hey, hey I'm I'm here, mum, and she's like, uh, Annie, is that you? And you know, oh, you're so handsome, and all this sort of stuff. And then, of course, she she dies in his arms, and um, 
I think she says something like, I'm so proud of you, I've missed you, I, I love you. I, I don't think even she said, I love you, she says, I love, and then that's it, it cuts. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, you've got the uh, the anger suddenly builds. And it does, too. It's not a jump cut to violence. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's the score yeah. building, the yeah. tension. Yeah. Uh, there's his face, which, I, again... It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. will say. Uh, and it doesn't get too far into it either. It's, you know, you, you see his intention, you see uh, one of the sand people cut down yeah. and then that's it. Now here's, here's a question I, I wanted to ask you because when I was watching this, I was, I was watching it on Disney plus. Right. And after that happens, it cuts to Yoda meditating. Yeah. And he hears Qui-Gon. Yeah. No, Anakin. In, no. In the theatrical cut yeah. and, and possibly the DVD release, don't you hear Qui-Gon while we're still with Anakin? Or does it... No. Or am I just it's, misremembering it's, it? It's always been Yoda. Has it? Okay. I, yeah. I knew that you would probably know um, because it's been a long time since, since I sat and, and watched the movie. So that's the way I remembered it. So, yeah. okay wrong on that count i just needed i needed to know because they've changed things <laughs> they well they yet yeah, they have and i'm yet to find out I'll, I'll find out in march next year unfortunately being in the uk but um yeah hey hey well the, you know it's funny they don't have the last jedi on disney plus yet um, oh they don't for, for those for those same reasons yeah right. so I'm, i would imagine as soon as you guys get it we'll probably have the last jedi I'm uh, looking forward um, to getting my hands on some Disney Plus action. Oh, dude, it's pretty cool. Um, no, especially with the Mandalorian. But that's another podcast. That is yes. such another <laughs> So I, I, I think, I think that that whole scene of him just destroy it. But then he he takes uh, the body back. They bury it. They say some. They say some words. Right. Um, and then they have that scene where he's he's admitting to mm-hmm. Padme that he he slaughtered them all men women and children which at that point you're thinking if i'm padme i'm going yeah okay I'm this, gonna go this, now. this guy's weird <laughs> but um yeah well, he yeah he just admitted to mass murder right it, you know it's not like like the equivalent of a space cow right um which would be horrific anyway going around killing cows but they're an intelligent being. So on that basis... Right. You uh, didn't get mad and kick the dog. No, you know? yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is not cool at all. Yeah. But I mean, her lack can of... see looking the other way or maybe being more forgiving. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just... It's weird, isn't it? I'm probably going to catch all sorts of hell for saying that it was Go okay on. to kick a dog. I didn't say it was okay to kick a dog. <laughs> I just said that's something did. you might uh, be able to work through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As opposed to mass murder. Yeah. It's, it's too but I don't know. Different for strokes sure. for different folks. Yeah. Um, I know there are some people that would probably uh, enact violence against you if you did kick a dog. So I think I've just entered that the murky water of. Uh, you're going to get your, of, your Twitter is going to somebody off the angry. chain, mate. So. Uh, yeah, and that's okay because I haven't had any action like in that regard. I haven't had people hating on me actively in a while. So, <laughs> if you love dogs and uh, you hate this podcast, well, treat yourself to some abuse on uh, on, yeah. 
on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've I've got I've got a dog though, and he's he's amazing. And if anybody struck my dog, there would be Hell some uh, some fisticuffs, maybe some tire iron action. Not really sure, because he's a good boy, and I love my dog for sure. Um, I love my wife, I love my daughter, love my dog, and uh, we have a cat too. But you don't uh, have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's okay. always one in every yeah. family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're getting to a point where we've we've almost reached what I feel is like the climax of the movie. And there are yeah. like many climaxes, yeah. um, as it were, which may or may not be a good thing. And we definitely need to need to get to that point because I think the important points um and I just want to say that there are gonna be things that I wanna gloss over. If you want to talk about them, by all means. But the important point here is that they get a distress signal from, or rather a message from R2. He kind of rolls up on the Lars Homestead and they get that message from, from uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. And what's nuts again is Anakin is like, no, I was given explicit orders to stay here. Yeah. And then Padme is like, nah, man, (laughs) your orders were to protect me and this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm going to go rescue Obi-Wan. Yeah, not too consistent no. with um, with the judgment. They're here, all but- reckless. Obi-Wan's reckless, Padme's reckless, Anakin's just there being reckless. He's, conf- he's confused and yeah. just kind of going along, yeah. which, again, you could argue that if it were intentional, it might make sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they, they go to Geonosis where Obi-Wan has discovered a, a secret separatist meeting um, that is sort of spearheaded by... The Trade Federation. So we get these guys back. Yeah. Um, the the Nemanoidians, is that right? Um, they are oh, they are weird, aren't but, they? Uh, They're Newt like Gunray and um, oh, those are the the Geonosians. Oh, uh, you, you're talking um, Newt Gunray. The yes, Trade Federation course, is yeah. led by Newt Gunray and the other one that I can't recall. Um, it will come but, to me. Uh, I know who they are. So they are. Yeah, I can almost hear it. It's like on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. They ha- you you learn that they're actually supplying the separatists through an alliance with an army of battle droids. Yeah. Which, if again, it kind of goes back to that original fear um, by the Republic and the Jedi that if enough systems leave, they could easily be overrun. And you learn that that is actually what's, exactly what's what is happening. happening. So then you kind of have that communication with Obi-Wan before he's captured to the Jedi Council. And Yoda says that he is going to go check out. And this is key, too, um, because when I was watching The Mandalorian, I was like, did that little green dude, did he go back <laughs> to Kamino? Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He did. So as my brother and I were trying to figure that out, I was like, did that happen? And he was like, no, I don't think so. I think and then I was time- watching this. I was like, no, he did. It's the time... Because the, the little green dude's 50 years old in Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. So was right. it 50 years prior that Attack of the Clones happened? Or? I'm just I'm going to go ahead and say roughly because okay. it's, tw- it's about 20 or so years after Revenge of the Sith. Oh, right? mate, imagine. That, that A New Hope starts. Yoda's um, been cloned. And then, yeah, so I think there may be some discrepancy with the timeline there. But uh, all I'm saying is that Yoda went back to Kamino. That's that's that is all I'm saying. Mate, I think clones <laughs> are going to he- feature heavily in Tros as well, mate. Um, in uh, the Rise of Skywalker, 
That's all I'm saying. So, yes. And again, we're going to talk about all this, Jude. And uh, I would definitely like to get you back on to do this because this is only number two of nine saga movies that I'm covering with with other people. Um, So that's definitely, that is going to happen for sure. So this is kind of where I'm going to gloss this, gloss over things just a bit. Uh, We learned that information. Yoda splits. Obi-Wan is captured, and he is not impressed when Padme and (laughs) Anakin show up. Yeah. (laughs) Because, again, they were told not to do it, and then uh, they were captured in their attempt to rescue Obi-Wan. And they get wheeled out into that arena, and that's where she says, I truly, deeply love you. Um, Yes. Which, you know, okay. Fine. I mean, I'd probably feel that way, too, if... (laughs) I'm about to die. I mean, she said, I'm about to die. I I don't care. I I love you. And she's like, he's like, I I want to spend the rest of my life with you or something. So that, that pretty much is is all very easy to say. If you think you're going to die. Yeah. Um, Because I want to see the conversation like after that. You remember you were saying, yeah, uh, well about that. (laughs) Yeah. I also thought I was going to die. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you know, when you killed all those kids and the sand people. Yeah. Well, you know, it just, it just all got a bit much. And I just said, I loved you and I didn't mean it. So let's forget about it. You what? Be my wife. Okay. (laughs) Went off on a monologue. Sorry. Um, No, that's quite all right. So you've got Poggle. Poggle the Lesser. I love that name. I just wanted Which to say. Which implies that there is a Poggle the Greater yeah, somewhere. It's just, I just wanted to say that because that was the, um, that's the guy. That's the, the chief Geonosian. Um, yes. And I just, all I wanted to say there was, I love the name. But carry on, carry on. It is cool. What I wanted to ask you is, we, we all know what's coming here. The arena battle. Um, they decide that it would just be far more sporting, I guess, to unleash these different creatures and beasts on to Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, yeah. because who doesn't love a bit of like gladiatorial viscera flying at you? The clones come with Yoda. The Jedi come with Mace Windu. Yeah. We have ourselves a good old-fashioned free-for-all. I know that some people love this scene. Yeah. I do not, and I will tell you why. <laughs> because to me... A lightsaber in a film is—it's it, usually reserved for something really special, and you could argue Sacred. that this is really special. Yeah. But when you see like twenty lightsabers at one time, I like I—and it's not that I have an issue with the Jedi actually using their weapon because why shouldn't they? Yeah. It's visually distracting to me. Right. Um, I have a very hard time focusing on the battle. So I don't, it's not necessarily that I don't like it. It's just that that aspect of it was a little distracting for me because the other parts are really cool. You know, like um, the individual battles, how Obi-Wan is freed of his bonds, you know, that I, I like that. Don't get me wrong. Just the lightsabers were a little, little too much. I me. mean, let's just, let's just let, we'll, we'll go for it quickly, but let's just, we got to take it back to what Mace Windu, sure. how he's introduced. You see his feet walking down that corridor. And he's just like, this party's over. I mean, that's like <laughs> Sam Jackson. Oh, I wasn't going to go without that. Sam Jackson. Yeah, that's 100% cool. necessary. And that's the first time you see the purple lightsaber as well. What was your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I first saw this movie, I thought that it was, 
I th- and this was me just, you know, thinking about it in my own head. I thought that it because it was purple, it was a mixture between red and blue, yeah. which would show like his uh, his mastery over all aspects of the force or whatever. And I think some other people probably thought that too. But I think it just came down to the fact that Sam Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber, and George Lucas wasn't about to tell him. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, I, so I thought it was. Cool. I mean, uh, it's cool, but there's still a part of me that thinks, man, that's broken the fourth wall. And I'm like, meh. It's it, yeah. To, it's hard to explain, but I I love that scene. And then of course you hate you, you say not hate it, but you dislike it. I loved it, man. The lightsabers. I loved it. It was just like, whoa. This is like, this is like at that point, what thirty odd years of build up from seeing, sure, you know, a kid, a farm boy, wield this lightsaber and not really know what he's doing, to suddenly seeing a, an entire arena of these sort of yeah. samurai trained professional Jedi's, you know, and and just different species as well. You have got like Plo Koon there. You've got. Um, a favorite Jedi, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's so cool. But I love how it, it kind of plays out, and the, it, you suddenly they're surrounded, and they all mm-hmm. go to the, the they're in the middle, and they've all got their lightsabers up, and uh, Dekusis ceasefire, and then just as you think it's all game over, in comes Yoda and the clones, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a real sort of yeah moment, and that was very yeah. cool. And, and that's why I wanted to ask you about that specifically. I knew that we'd have to talk about it, but I wanted to know just because it seems like it seems like there it only goes one way or the other. Yeah. You know, it's like you either love that scene or you don't care yeah, for yeah, it as yeah. much. So with that with that said, Yoda does swoop in and that is pivotal. That is game changing and that is awesome. Yeah. So it, we, we get sort of a resolution there. Uh, in fact, I think somebody actually calls it a victory. I think it's Mace Windu. Uh, calls that a victory yeah. but of course i think it's yoda that says victory <laughs> yeah. um how does he say it the shroud of the dark side is yeah fallen, but begun this clone war has. i love that scene i so, love that scene yeah me too i actually kind of got tingles mm. when he said that and then of course you get the visual shot of the proto star destroyers mm. and the battalions of clones lining up it's all starting um, to come together Yes, exactly. So that I thought was really, it was captivating and it really nailed the idea home that this, this was the beginning of the mm. end or at least the beginning of the, uh, the, what would be the Galactic Empire. At, at this point, two, two very important things happen to end this movie. Tyrannus or Dooku escapes the whole situation. Yeah. Um, Jango Fett, of yeah. course, is decapitated, and you, it's insinuated that Boba is going to take some kind of revenge. Yeah. But Dooku escapes and meets Sidious. And you really, at that point, get the, how would you say it? You, you get the idea that, that their plan is really coming to fruition. Um, he's bested yeah. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, in combat, so again, you're 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 really getting the idea that they're up against quite a bit. I mean, even Yoda, yeah, fights Dooku and is not fully, yeah. How would you say it? Successful? To... <laughs> no, 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 no. There's almost an equality there in the fight. What's that? It was almost a, there was almost a, an equality. They couldn't best each other, right? Which I felt was quite in, interesting. That, I mean, that fight is. I mean, John John describes it as bombastic. 
But I just remember uh, being in the cinema and watching oh, that the build up and just not being able to. You knew something yeah, amazing was about to happen. You just you didn't know yeah. how it was going to play out. And honestly, regardless of how critical I may be of that from a storytelling point of view, to see that on screen, mm. it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It was fantastic. Fantastic. But that, I mean, that pretty much wraps up episode two. Um, you know, Obi-Wan, excuse me, Anakin and Padme are married in secret. You see Anakin's robot hand. So, you know, that's official. That's happening. Um, so, yeah. And the, and the witnesses are two droids. I don't know how uh, that goes down in, in the Naboo lore. Yeah, well, it uh, works. It's fine. It's fine. And which raises all yeah. sorts of interesting questions. I don't know how many times 3PO has lost his memory. I'm under the impression that R2 <laughs> remembers everything. Everything. But there's a point, yeah. I think, where probably in A New Hope, where C3PO is on a baseline. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but that, that yeah. pretty much wraps up the film and i just gotta say it's uh i enjoyed watching it last night jude that's good man glad you did you coming around you coming around <laughs> to the prequels i did i enjoyed it you know just hearing guys like you talk about how much you love the prequels and how much you love those movies like despite all of like the mean nasty horrible things that other yeah. people have said myself included um <laughs> you know, it just, it really gave me a different perspective uh, and said, you know, it's like, this is something that people love. And regardless of whatever awesome. issue I may have with certain aspects of it, it's actually still pretty yeah. cool. And I can, I can live with those things and still enjoy uh, watching these movies. So, so in a way, uh, you and I think probably Luke Summerfield are, are responsible for, for kind of bringing me over on that one and, and inspiring me to do a series of uh of podcasts that include the prequels and and try to paint them and in a more positive light and talk about them with people that really enjoy them so so thank you love that love that for sure well jude it has been a conversation it has it's been a, a two-hour conversation i know i didn't see uh, that coming it's been a pleasure now we know it's been an absolute pleasure thank you yeah <laughs> pleasure is is all mine awesome. certainly i'm just uh, i'm thrilled again that we were able to find the time to do it and hopefully yeah you know granted we we ran over uh hopefully we'll be able to to bring you back and and you know post episode nine oh, and reassess things count me in awesome count me in for sure all right jude 100% up for that. Well, you have yourself a good night, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's another one done and dusted, y'all. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Mr. Jude Gay for taking time out of his night to talk to us about Star Wars. Join us next month around the third week of March where we'll tackle Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, with Mr. Ben Abusada, Mr. Kansas Geek Man himself. <laughs>